Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. We're in the Amazing series. Amazing is something that causes wonder, astonishment, surprise, inspires awe, admiration. To be amazed is to be struck by something that takes your breath away. For us, that's obviously the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been looking in the series, the amazing series, in the amazing life, touch, cross, and the peace of Jesus. It's so amazing. Now we're going to look at one scripture out of the Gospels, the amazing, abundant promise that Jesus has given us, the abundant life promise. John 10 and verse 10. If you mark your Bible might be good if you would just mark the scripture. It's one of the most famous scriptures in the New Testament. John 10 and verse 10. The thief. Everyone shout the thief. How many here have ever had your car broken into? Well, that's a lot of people. Me too. Hate it. How many have ever had your house broken into? Is that not a creepy feeling to come home and find out someone has been in your house? How many have ever had something stolen from you like a laptop? Anybody have a laptop stolen? They're a pretty hot item right now. My son's laptop was just stolen the other day, right out of his car, broke the window, reached in, took the laptop. Within two minutes, the thing was gone. How many understand that a thief is a pretty rotten kind of a person? Some of you are going, well, we're supposed to love people, yes, but don't love the thief in the person. Love him, love her. But a thief is an amazing kind of person because they will take advantage of anyone they can take advantage to get what they want. John 10.10, the thief, the devil, who will always steal and kill and destroy. I have come in order that you might have life. Now, it would seem to me that the verse interprets itself that the stealing that's taken place here, the killing and the destroying that's taken place that Jesus is talking about has something to do with life. Not just your possessions, but your life. For Jesus says, I have come in order that you might have life. Life in all its fullness which would tell me that the enemy of our soul is a thief and wants to steal anything from us that would cause us to live a life that is not full, a life that is not abundant, a life that is not producing more life. A thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. I came so they can have real and eternal life. More? Come on, say more. And better. Say better. More and better life than they ever dreamed of. One of the uh, epitaphs on a tombstone that's kind of been famous now, it says, died 1983, buried 1993. Sometimes people do not live the kind of life they could live, and it's a tragedy of life that they really don't have anything near what would be called full, 
Anything near that would be called overflowing. Anything near that would be called satisfying. Something's been stolen from them. Not talking about a person necessarily. It would go without me saying that a person who doesn't know Christ, who doesn't know the fountain of life, who doesn't have life in them, which begins with the Lord Jesus Christ, that person has no chance of having the kind of abundant life that springs up inside of them as an eternal well that moves them right into eternity. They have no chance for that. Their life will be lived on a different level. And their satisfactions on a mind, will, emotions, not spiritual. Their satisfaction is on the level of possessions and gains, achievements, and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which we gather around us all these things in life. Like the book of Ecclesiastes says, we, we gather all these things, our wealth and, and our honor and our achievements, and then right about the time we think we're going to enjoy all of them, we pass them on to someone else. And we go on to the grave. And so what is life? And that's why Ecclesiastes, all vanity and vexation of spirit. I gained all this knowledge. What good is it? I gained all this wealth. Someone else will enjoy it. I did all these things. So what? Makes you stop and think about life. Life. Full and blessed. This is what I want you to take down. A full blessed life is to know, feel, and relish God's affirmation. Now that would be Again, the acceptance of Christ, the Word of God, and what God says about me. Okay, I relish in His affirmation and assurance, acceptance, and approval. Now, those are rich words, people that will spend millions of dollars to find any one of those words that happen in their life. Jesus comes to do every one of those. An affirmation of your life, an assurance of your life, an acceptance, an approval. He then gives you what is so sacred. He chooses you. He marks you. He takes you into his own. He puts a new name on you, a new calling, new destiny to be chosen. And then he does something again that only if you have a spiritual deposit in you can you experience being valued, being valued by God, being valued by the Holy Spirit. Everyone finding value in Christ. No one is unvaluable or disvalued in the kingdom of God. doesn't matter about race or how much wealth you have or poverty or whatever you've done in the life before you found Christ. None of that brings value. Your value comes in your relationship to Jesus Christ. Your value comes because of the price Christ paid for your soul. And so you have value. And fully enjoying an overflowing life. Now, how many people... Find Christ, find a pivotal turning point in their life, and feel deep inside of them a change, a spiritual change. Their sins are lifted. Blood of Christ comes into their soul. Bitterness evaporates. Forgiveness becomes easy. All of a sudden, you feel some joy about living. Something begins to motivate you to do better because Christ in you begins to work and unravel all the mess that's inside the soul. And before you know it, you're starting to walk out into a new life. But some people that experience what I'm talking about still don't go on to living an abundant life. Why? Fullness of life. Two scriptures. Psalm 1611. You will show me the path. If you would please just take a note that the life fullness that God has for you is a path. 
You walk it. You get on it. You stay on it. It's a path. You will show me the path, the walk, the discipline, the journey, the longevity of this, the marathon. It's not a 100-yard sprint. It's a 26-mile marathon. It's a path. It's a race. You get on that path and you walk on that path. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joys. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 36. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house. Notice, there's some kind of a fullness found in the house. A fullness found on the path. A fullness found in the house. The abundantly satisfied person has found something about this house. The house of God. And you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. For with you is the fountain of life. And in your light, what happens? We see light. Things become more and more. Now, the life... We should not live. Let me just throw this out so you can at least consider it. The life you should not live. Isaiah 29, verse 8. Isaiah 29, verse 8. It shall even be as when a hungry man dreams. Now listen to the prophet's words. Isaiah 29, verse 8. It shall be as when a hungry man dreams and looks. He eats, but it's only in a dream. He's eating, but it's only a dream. But he awakes... And his soul is still empty. Or as when a man is thirsty and he dreams. And then he awakes. Even though he is drunk in his dreams. It says he awakes thirsty. And indeed he is faint. And his soul in your Bible still craves That verse, along with a host of others, would explain the way a lot of people live their lives. People that dream of what they need to have to satisfy their soul, and they go after it, whether it's in a sleeping measure of going after it, or an awakened measure, where they actually go after life like that, and they drink, and they eat, and they dream, and they fulfill all these things, and then they only wake up at the end and say, I'm still thirsty, I'm still hungry, and I'm still craving something more. Because their soul never ate the right stuff. Be horrible to end your life and realize everything you try to accomplish means nothing. Be horrible. Be horrible to realize that you are still craving for reality as much as you were 50 or 70 years ago. You still have that same crave, but you don't know what to do about it. Well, we know what to do. Christ's life in us. And then we begin to move down a path that's lived out in a house. And those things that we're supposed to put into that house become part of our fulfilling life. And life more and better, more abundant. A person that does not find what I'm going to say to you is a person who lives a life they shouldn't live. Here's a life that they will have. 
One, a life full of trouble. Job 14, verse 1, man is born of a woman a few days and full of trouble. Number two, a life full of heaviness and weariness. Can't cast it off. Psalm 69, 20, reproach has broken my heart. I'm full of heaviness. I looked for someone to take pity. There was no one. My heart's broken. I'm full of heaviness. How many people would say that right now around our nation, around the world? People that are filled with a brokenness and a heaviness and, and, and a life that they don't want, a life that they don't even feel is uh, worthy of their time anyway. And so they live with this heaviness, disappointment, brokenness. Not a way to live. How about a life full of deceit, misleading people, living a lie? How about a life full of your own way? You're just so full of yourself, so full of your own way. Proverbs 131 says they shall eat the fruit of their own way. Nobody should have to eat the fruit of their own way, but if you live your own way, you'll eat the fruit of it. And nobody can rescue you from it. Not your mom, not your dad, not your grandpa, not your pastor, not God himself can rescue you from the consequence of living full of yourself. Your answer is to get full of Jesus, full of the Word, and to transform that life into something else. But if you are self-willed and stubborn and say, I'm just going to live my life full of myself. Well, Proverbs says, you'll be filled with a lot of trouble. Proverbs 14, 14 says, the backslider heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied from above. He who goes wrong must take the consequences to himself. Wow, I don't want that. How about this? A life full of jealousy. Well, it might sound not so big deal, but jealousy burns, destroys, ruins, filled with a fire that burns against people. How about a life full of bitterness? Well, that's a pretty dangerous word. Bitterness, unforgiveness, uh, what it does to your life will harden you. How about a life that is just flat out empty? Nothing in it. It's empty. Interesting scripture, which I won't park on, but Matthew chapter 12, when it speaks about evil spirits, it uses a term that always catches my attention about the underworld and the evil powers of the devil, how they seek to destroy life. Matthew 12 says, when a defiling evil spirit is expelled from someone... It drifts along through the desert looking for an oasis. This is in your Bible, and it's the teaching of the Lord Jesus. Some unsuspecting soul, it can be devil. When it doesn't find anyone, it says, I'll go back to my old house. On return, he finds the person spotlessly clean, but empty. And because there's room for the Spirit to have influence, the influence that the Spirit sees it can have is in empty lives. Lives that are not filled with the right thing. The evil spirit comes against that life. Number eight, a life full of self-indulgence, filled with greed and your own love. Self-indulgence has practically ruined our nation. Man's never rich enough. A woman is never pretty enough. Clothes are never fashionable enough. Cards are never nice enough. Gadgets are never modern enough. Houses are never furnished enough. Food is never fancy enough. Relationships are never romantic enough. Life is never full enough of it. It would just so into self-indulgence that it doesn't matter how many toys and things you buy, you're still not filled. 
America bought into self-indulgence about 70 years ago in a big way. Now we're eating the fruit of us living for ourselves and our own way. Self-indulgence. Nothing can be left out of our lifestyle, the lifestyle of the American rich and famous. And everything now has been so leveled around our nation that people are finding there's nothing left in their life because everything that satisfied them were indulgences, external indulgences. Jesus says, I've come to give you life, but it doesn't look anything like this. A life full of hypocrisy, pretending, playing a part, drama, drama acting, unreality. A person who only has a facade, a front, not real behind the facade. They just learn how to play the part, act it out. It's not the kind of life Jesus wants you to have. If you had to write down five words of the kind of life that Jesus wants, here's the five words you'll find in your Bible. Number one, he wants you to have a blessed life. To receive that special blessing. Blessing has the idea of success. Number two, he wants you to have an honored life. A life that is regarded by God and others as being respected and esteemed and lifted up so that God can honor your life. Number three, he wants you to have a favored life where the gracious favor hand of God comes upon you and shows his kindness and marks you out and does something in you that is different. You're favored. Number four, he wants you to have a delightful life, something that you delight in, something that you find satisfaction in, to be pleased with life. What an awesome thing to be pleased with yourself, to be pleased with others, to be pleased with your relationship to God. To live with a clear conscience. To know that you're walking the way you're supposed to walk. You're a delight around everybody because you're living a delightful life. And number five, a prosperous life. And again, prosperity for us would be more than enough. Having enough of what God's doing in you and enough of what God wants to help you do for other people. More than enough. Prosperity is simply meaning I can be a conduit, a channel for the blessings of God to touch other people. The life we should choose to live. Choose to live an abundant life. Remember, I said this, and it's not deep theology, but it's true. The life you live is the life you choose. Doesn't matter what age you are, what you think about it. The life you live is the life you choose. Abundant life is a choice. The path is a choice. The house is a choice. You choose the life that you want. 1 Samuel 2.30 says, For those who honor me, I will honor them. That's a very interesting scripture to me. For those who honor me, I will honor them. For those who lightly esteem me, this is what it says in 1 Samuel 2.30, I will lightly esteem them. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things. There still is a first in there. The all things doesn't happen until there's a first, a choice, a life that you choose to live. If you would like to live an abundant life, I'm going to give you very quickly, just list them out. The choices. Here's eight choices you can make right now today. It'll take me about 60 seconds. Are you ready? Eight choices if you would choose life. 
I find these in the scripture. They have to be in your life. Number one, put deep roots into the right soil. Put deep roots into the right soil. That soil begins with the seed in the ground in your heart accepting Christ. That soil is also that soil of the house of God. That soil has a lot of different terminologies in the Bible that would define it. But the deep roots in Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, would be a psalm you should read and ask yourself, have I been planted by the river of God? Will I bring forth fruit? Who do I get counsel from? Where do my roots go down? Number two, walk with a clean spirit. Walk with a clean spirit. Don't keep offenses. Don't keep impurities. Don't be double-minded. Walk with a clean spirit. It's more just than having your sins forgiven. It's having a clean spirit toward everybody. Number three, trust God. Trust God at all times. Fill your mouth with trust. Fill your heart with trust. Write trust scriptures all around your house and your apartment and your car and confess that God is good and trust God at all times. Four, be merciful to the poor. You can do that so easily in our society today. But Psalms 41 says, Blessed is he who considers the poor. Be merciful to those who are without what you have. You can help and touch them. Five, walk in the fear of the Lord. The Bible is very clear that life in the fear of the Lord with a continual awareness that the living God is watching everything that happens. He's the God who will weigh everything in his judgment over your life. Walk in the fear of the Lord. Proverbs fifteen thirteen: the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. I should fear God just for that right there. Proverbs fourteen twenty seven: the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares. Proverbs nineteen twenty three: the fear of the Lord leads to life. And he who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. Live with an awareness that God sees you in the light and the darkness. God sees you when you're slipping around. God sees you when you're fudging on a principle. God sees you when you compromise. God sees when you do something that is not pleasing to him, you might get away with it. You might have nothing happen for a while. But if you add all those things up, there comes a judgment time in this life and sometimes in the life to come where we did not fear the Lord and walk in that fear. There's consequences to that. A person who fears the Lord will not take advantage of people. They will not gossip. They will not lie. They will not speak evil. They will not do anything against authority. They are people who understand everything about them is open to heaven. They walk in the awareness that there's a living God who is just. Number six, walk in and with integrity. Walk in and with integrity. Psalm 26.1, I've walked in my integrity. I've trusted the Lord. I shall not slip. What a great scripture. Number seven, Love the house of God. Read Psalms 84. Read Psalms 122. Love the house of God. Build it. Speak well about it. Be in it. Be a part of it. All those who dwell in your house, they'll still be praising you, and you will strengthen them. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. Number eight, live with a generous spirit. Generous about everything. Generous with your compliments, generous with your prayers, 
generous with whatever you have. Live life with a generous spirit, not a stingy, self-indulgent spirit. Even if you have a little, share it. If you can't help all the poor, help one. If you can't help all the missionaries, help one. If you can't do something for the whole world, find something you can do to help a part of the world. A generous spirit. A generous person is never, ever out of helping someone. They know how to do it. They think that way. They feel that way. I want to walk in the path of life. Can I hear an amen?